millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. And we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases. But the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads. Because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. This week is part three of our look at the Snowtown murders. Now last week, Dad, we left off with, well, I was going to say one of our more unfortunate victims, but that's really a... Because they're all fairly unfortunate, I think you'll agree. Yeah, absolutely. But this week we are going to look at the last victims and how they were actually caught, the killers, that is. Mm. Now, where are we up to chronologically? Who's next? Okay, well, look, um, at the end of last week, um, which was episode two, we dealt with Frederick Brooks, who was intellectually disabled. And then the next victim... His name was, it's kind of sad talking in the past tense, um, Gary O'Dwyer. He was 29 years of age, intellectually disabled. He'd, it, he was disabled as a result of a previous serious motor vehicle accident. So he was, he was just, look, he was another, another victim of this, of this, I don't really like to use the phrase demonic, but I guess it's as a human we need to go somewhere. And I was thinking before we went on air, Paul, I was I was going through the transcript of the trial, uh, which was the most expensive trial and longest trial ever in South Australia's history. And as we also discussed last week, Paul, more than 250 suppression orders, yeah. which, which is inconceivable. And, and And remember the other case we spoke about some months ago about um, the family in South Australia. Yeah. Uh, also, and and there seems to be this thread running through some of these terribly nefarious crimes, and that is the number of suppression orders. Mm. And it can only make you wonder, what on earth don't we know? Well, speaking of that, I'm very curious as to what the link is. Because uh, last week on Loose Units, The Shadow Files, we it became readily apparent, Dad, and I think you'll agree, that everybody who's being killed by the Snowtown murderers mm. is connected to them in a really oddly intimate way. Mm. I mean, these are either people they dated or relatives or friends of friends. And or married. So, or married, yeah. So uh, who is this latest victim to the Snowtown case? Okay, so look, 
just sort of and you know the listeners know paul that when i say to you paul do you mind if i read something you go oh god like oh please dad because we you know we don't know you and i never ever discussed prior Mm. this is sort of raw but i was doing some research because there was a, a there's a device that was used with the next victim um and although we've been very very good paul and i tip my hat to you because when I listened to last week's podcast you touched on some of the methods of torture you know used for example in the bathtub yeah but you I think you're really really good and I admire you um, by saying that we don't need to go through all the sort of details yeah and we don't but we 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 must sort of acknowledge that torture was involved but you know, there are levels of torture. And Bunting, he he he's still alive. He's, he's in custody. And I've been looking at his photo and I occasionally sort of visualise the man. And with this next victim, um, he tortured him. Now, how they know that this victim because these people ended up in barrels and they were the acid was sort of you know eating away their their epidermis their outer layers and bunting wanted just to completely destroy and just basically leave bone but he used the wrong acid because he used the wrong acid paul it enabled the forensic pathologists to still be able to figure out because of the there was not the decomposition or the the eating away of the flesh that bunting had wanted so it left evidence on the skin and some of the evidence left particularly on this victim gary o'dwyer was that he'd been tortured using an electro electrical device right okay and i looked up the device and i'm going to read from the sales catalog because it's it makes for chilling reading okay the variable auto transformer Variac is the trade name of a popular brand. That's the one that's referred to in these particular cases. Mm-hmm. Is one of the most useful and efficient devices ever invented for the control of AC voltage and of voltage dependent parameters such as current, power, temperature, light intensity, motor speed, etc. It enables the AC input to a mains-powered appliance to be easily varied from zero, and that's very important, Paul, to full line voltage or greater. God knows what that means. Encased in a heavy-duty steel housing, it also features on-off switch, output voltage meter, mains supply lead, and standard three-pin power output. A must for testing appliance performance under real... And simulated mains functions. That's all well and good, but I'm, I'm very curious now as to what this device actually does and was actually used for. Okay, great. So, it was attached to either the penis or the testicles. Okay? So, they would get these clamps. You've seen how they jumpstart a car, Paul. Have you ever seen that? Where they use the leads with the big alligator clips? Yes, yes. So imagine those, but hopefully not as as ferocious as an alligator clip, but the same principle. So they'd attach them to your scrotum 
and to various parts of your penis. Then bunting would... Now, clearly, as the victim, generally in a bathtub, you would get a fairly good idea of what was going to happen. Clearly, you can see alligator clips, wires, they go into this machine. The machine is then plugged into the mains through a, you know, like a lead into a PowerPoint. Bunting would come down. Now, we've got eyewitness accounts. We have first-hand witness accounts from Vlasakis because he was present and he ended up being the main witness for the Crown. He would have done a deal. And from his testimony, Bunting would say to the victim who was hooked up to this machine, pick a number between 1 and 10. Now, the victims were were compass enough to be able to say, well, I'll pick one, as if you'd pick 10. So they'd pick a one. But the problem was that the victim never ever got to see what Bunting was actually dialing up on the machine. So on the first occasion, Bunting dialed up number four, which would have probably given around about 80 volts, which is horrendous. And then he'd turn the machine off and then he'd say to the victim, how did that feel? And the victim on one occasion said it felt like 100. Because not only did Bunting use this machine like for one or two seconds, but occasionally he would use it for many, many seconds and he'd wind it up and up and up. The pain, you can't imagine. And I mean that. I can't imagine it. Sometimes in life you try and imagine something, but this is so terrible. And this is just one of the methods used. And this particular guy, Gary O'Dwyer, was also, whilst he was being tortured, and by the way, the, the mention of the technique that I just sort of discussed was not the only technique used. One of the things that they also used to do, which... I don't want to go into too much, but they used sprinklers or sparklers and they yeah, would okay. insert, insert them yeah, whilst yeah, they were burning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, know. Yeah, I know I know about this stuff. And it's because it, there is a, it's very, very easy to Google, I should point out. It's very easy to Google the means by which these people were tortured. Um, I'm really, I'm really affected by that testimony though and by, it, that's, that's really difficult information to process because obviously mm. it's just scratching the surface. But Gary O'Dwyer obviously eventually was killed. Mm. Now, how many more victims are there after Gary? Okay, well, Paul, just finalising the, the, the last bit of information is that Gary O'Dwyer, that was a 100% pure welfare murder. Okay. Okay? It's yeah. really, really important because in the beginning it was pedophiles and homosexuals and then it became lazy people. Mm. Um, and this is going from uh, court documents. Bunting had a thing about fat people. He had a thing about just he would look at someone walking across the road and just think, I don't really like that person. They they are taking up some of the world's limited finite supply of oxygen. I am going to kill them. He and it, it, it became a frenzy. Right. Clearly, these crimes escalated. The next person was Elizabeth Hayden. Mm-hmm. Now she was the wife of one of the offenders. And on this particular day, Hayden leaves the house 
And whilst he was away, his wife was murdered. When he came back, he realised that something terrible had happened. Um, but he was so embroiled in the group. But he's the only person, the husband, that was actually never ever charged with any of the murders. He right. was always around. He was assisting. He was a bit of a, a sort of a go-to person, a bit of a... So why did they kill her? Um, they didn't trust her. Right. And, you know, they just felt that she was... a uh, Because one of the problems with all these people, if they felt that you were perhaps had loose lips, yeah. you know, you were, you were predisposed, because they'd, they'd hear. Like Bunting, within this circle of people, would get information as from a, someone else. Someone would say something, they'd let something slip in conversation. Bunting, who was a smart guy, he would then think, hang on a sec, how did that person... Why is this person talking about this particular thing? And he began to sort of realise that, you know, you need to kill all the people that could possibly take you down. Yeah. Um, so she was she was murdered. And then the next victim, uh, and I hate to say this, but the last victim is the only person that was murdered at Snowtown. Okay, so this season of Loose Units, The Shadow Files, we're really trying to look at locations, Dad. You know this. We're trying to look at specific places and what the crimes done in those places does to those places for mm. the people who live there, for mm. the kind of cultural impacts, but also mm. the impact of something which we've been referring to as dark tourism is very real because the people who, as you will remember from listening to part one of this Snowtown special... People stop by and take photos in Snowtown and the town is grappling with what to do with this legacy. I mean, do mm. they capitalise on it? Do they memorialise it? Do they bulldoze the town and move on? What do they do? Mm. And there are two reasons why Snowtown is notorious for these crimes. One is that the bodies were found there. And two, and this is the really technical squiggly one, and that is that the last murder was actually carried out there. Now, the bodies were found in barrels... In, under the, I think in the in the old bank vault, right? Correct. Now, is that where the final murder took place? Yes, as well? yes. They um they lured um David Johnson to the bank. Right. He was lured by his stepbrother Lasarcus. Now it needs to be pointed out at this juncture that David Johnson was not not gay. Mm -hmm. He he was the the stepbrother, but. I have a feeling that I've been able to glean that Bunting actually didn't really like um, David Johnson. Right. He was, uh, you know, he was, he was a, 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 from all reports, he was smart, he was hardworking, well-dressed. Um, he was not of that, of that circle. And, uh, but he was the half-brother of Lasarkas and... What happened was Vlasakis basically lured him to Snowtown under the guise of having a look at a computer that was for sale. Mm -hmm. And on that fateful night, and I just realised about half an hour ago, Paul, you recall in Australia what significant day it was yesterday? Mother's Day. It was Mother's Day, yes. And I think it's kind of a little bit creepy, Paul, that the last murder took place on Mother's Day on the that 9th of weird. May in 1999. Mm. 
Right. I, I just think that, you know, you know, we had a lovely Mother's Day yesterday and uh, Christine got to talk to all, all her three great kids, yourself included, obviously. And then when I saw the, the date and I was going through some transcripts this morning and it kind of made me feel a little bit creepy. Um, and here we are talking about it. And he was lured into the bank where Bunting and the crew were waiting. And Bunting's offside. What's that guy's name? The, 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 his major co-offender that used to be the partner of Lane, Robert Wagner. You know that Robert Wagner used to be, he was just a sort of a, a street kid. And he was picked up by Lane. Mm. They kind of lived together and it became a symbiotic relationship. And then Wagner ended up killing Barry Lane. But Barry Lane is, is really the linchpin for this entire story. Because remember the spider wall? Yeah. That was facilitated by Barry Lane. Because Barry Lane knew every single person that was murdered... And then I just also found out this morning that when the police went into Bunting's house, they found that spider wall, which was very, very intricate with yeah. different coloured, you know, cords, like something in a sort of a, like a, a detective's office where you'd see them trying to figure out who, who how everyone was linked. But yeah. in the very middle, the, the person that was in the very centre of the spider wall was Barry Lane who ultimately was murdered. So they'd used him to get the information. They then killed him. And Robert Wagner was the... He was a fucking psychopath. We're talking. Let's let's don't... He's the guy that came up to David Johnson in the bank vault at Snowtown. They basically ambushed him. Vlasakis, did he know what was going to happen that night? I don't know. They strangled him. They then... And what they used to do, which is similar to another case that we worked on, Paul, some months ago, was that they'd use the, the rope and they'd use a, like a tire lever. And they'd insert it, then they'd rotate. And then on one occasion, whilst they were rotating the rope, the rope actually broke. And then I was thinking to myself, imagine the force involved to twist a rope around someone's neck, garroting them slowly, and then and the... the, the, the the strength, the tension, the pressure to actually cause a rope to snap. They then had to retie the rope. Now, what they did to that person that night, let's just say that in the movie, which I forced myself to watch last week, by myself during the day, because I didn't want to get totally creeped out, I'm going to admit to you and the listeners now that I watched most of the film on Fast Forward. I couldn't I could not watch it. And when I got to the end the scene in the bank that night is so poignant and so clever because they show the guy David walk into the bank. They show him go in with Vlasakis. You don't get to see the other people and basically instead of having all the gore because we all know and you can imagine what terrible things happened that night. What the director of that film very cleverly done or does is that he sort of steps back, the cameraman, and they just show the door closing. And that's the end of the film, thank God. Right, right. But, you know, I just... The only reason I watched the film was I wanted to sort of tie it in to see how accurate it was, and it was very, very, very accurate. 
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, look, let's... Okay, so the final murder takes place in the bank vault, mm. right? Yeah. Now, there's barrels full of bodies. Mm. So how do the bodies get found? How do the barrels get found? I'm assu- look, I'm going to go ahead and assume that it's the smell, but also at this no. point, there's been there's been so many uh, mm. there's so many crimes going on over such a long period. Surely mm. the, the task force is searching at this point. Okay, they are Paul, but look, it's very important that there actually is another person, another victim. Yep. Her name was Susan Allen. Now they found her wrapped in. Get ready for this. Mm-hmm. 11 different bags. Her death had been concealed. Yeah. With the purpose of collecting her pension, which amounted to approximately $17,000. Okay. She was buried in one of Bunting's houses. But this is way before the very first body in the barrel murder. They could never, ever prove that she was murdered by bunting even though she was found wrapped and buried in his backyard because what bunting said in his defense is that she died of natural causes he buried her and then he just used the fact that she she he used her identity Mm -hmm. to to continue receiving her pension right and and that case was dropped but how they Got to it, Paul. It was not the smell. These these barrels were sealed well and truly. What it was, think about this. It's a very, very quiet, unassuming town. What's the thing about a country town that everyone knows? Uh, who, they know who, about us. Where people are from. Yeah, Correct. Outsiders, they, right? yeah. Yeah. And they would see things happening and they, they, you know, they're not stupid. And they became slightly you know, aroused as the fact that there were some, some things possibly happening. They didn't know what in the bank. But... One of the victims, one of the victims, I just, I'm not sure of which victim, but it was one of the last victims. Actually, no, it was um, Elizabeth Hayden, yeah. uh, who was murdered by the gang. But remember how the husband went out and he was not there when she died? Yep. He came back. Well, she vanished, but 
um, her brother contacted the police. Okay. This is when it all started to unravel. Yep, yep. Because she left two little kids there. And then they interviewed the husband, who was one of the four, and he was just he was just not not believable. He was clearly lying to the police. And the police began to investigate. They then got a sense that something that because they found out that some of the victims were were interconnected, they knew each other. Mm-hmm. Then they recorded, they set up listening devices in Hayden's house. How's that? So it was sort of an undercover operation. Yeah. The police would have used uh, one of their special groups of sort of spooks, I guess we can call them, that will go into a house uh, whilst the occupants are out. They set up uh, devices to listen, and the whole story began to unravel. Right. And they, through you know diligent police work, they ended up in Snowtown, in the bank, Imagine those police, the first police to go in there, had no idea, found the barrels, opened them up, and then saw they were literally full of human remains. Which hadn't completely broken down, like you said. Had not broken down. So there's enough kind of, there's enough remains there for them to reverse engineer and piece together a really watertight case. Correct. And Vlasakis, who had been befriended as a father figure by Bunting, Mm -hmm. he turned crown witness. And when you do that, the police and the, the prosecution, the you know, the state, they have to give you an incentive, which yep. probably would have been a reduced sentence. He's actually mm-hmm. due for parole around about now. Oh, Jesus. And um yes, they they and I've been reading some of the the transcripts of his actual what he's actually saying, and it is so fascinating. And it's it's he's an eyewitness. So his evidence is um, is basically irrefutable, yeah, and and shocking, and that's something that the listeners can can you know re- if they want to they can read themselves, and it's it yeah. makes for um well it's pretty pretty harrowing, and I've found this to be honest with you, mm. it's it's sort of worn me down a bit. Um, well, let's okay. So I agree, Dad. I am also utterly worn down and spent by this case because now we've got this string of pointless murders many of whom are people that were very very close to bunting in his circle bunting is caught the bodies have been found in this old bank vault underneath the old bank in snowtown which is an extremely small unassuming town i mean not anymore because you know now the word Snowtown is synonymous with this place. Now, when people drive through, they think about the murders and they go to that building and, they, you know, you look across at that building and you said, that's where that happened. And it's really, really hard for anything but time to erase mm. that impression, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, maybe 50 years, 100 years from now, if we're all still around, there'll be people driving through who won't know that that's where the murders took place. Mm-hmm. But what, what do they do? What do the locals do? And how would you... How would you be able to live in a place knowing that just across the road from you, this stuff was happening and you you, you were around when it was happening? Mm. I know you, we've talked about this many times before, but there are atrocities happening right now and we are looking occasionally at strangers in the face and they're doing things that we don't know about. And that's unfortunately part of the human experience, but never to this level. Mm. I mean, this I, town, the yeah. magnitude of these crimes. True, true. But I weirdly, I, don't, I can't quite put my finger on it because I felt very strongly about previous stories we've done where things have happened in houses. Yeah. But this particular case, for all its horror, mm. I, I, 
I guess I'd probably set up a, a murder museum uh, in the town. And I think it could be really interesting and, and make it a, a go-to destination and, and capitalise. Um, I mean, you've got to have a murder museum somewhere. And I mean, they've got a sex, sex museum in, in, um, in Iceland. Yeah, but a murder museum is a double-edged sword. Is it commemorating? Is it? I mean, honestly, is it actually commemorating, or is it fetishizing and allowing no. looky loos to come? In? I mean, no, it's, no. I, is, I, I think it's. I think it's. It's fascinating, and I think it's interesting. And why, I, do, they, I, why do they call it dark tourism? Well, because it profits off death. Mm. And you know, look, Dad. There are different kinds of dark. I don't think you know. It's very tricky. I think we would need to almost go to Snowtown and speak to the locals in order to mm. see how they actually feel about it. That'd because be the great. fact is, you I'd know, love to do that. We could just I roll mean, in with a big bus. Maybe not a bus. Maybe just you and me being a little more discreet <laughs> on pushbikes. I think I'd be very curious to see because we've we've spent the past you know this season so far talking about these places and talking you know, occasionally with a degree of detachment mm. about what it would be like to actually, you know, be near that kind of carnage and then have to resume your life and make those sorts of decisions of, you know, how do I kind of live on the street where these things happen? And mm. it- I agree with you, Paul, but what about, let's let's take in Europe, let's take a town or, okay, let's just, we don't need to do that. Let's jump into the present day in Ukraine where there are towns and villages that are being completely and utterly destroyed, but also terrible things are taking place, abhorrent, unspeakable things, atrocities, war crimes are taking place. So are you saying that we just sort of mow over the town, start again, or do we... No, Dad, what I'm saying is... The perspective that the actual people who lived there have been offering that we talked about back in episode one are far more valuable than our own perspectives oh, in yeah, this case, yeah, I think. Yeah. Because also this this town has an extraordinarily small population. If it's a large city or a country and the crime is distributed evenly across the country or you know it's diffused, mm. then it's an atrocity. But in this case, some absolute psychopath and a cabal that he sort of co-opted over, over a decade murdered... You know, like a dozen people put them in barrels and acid and put and rented a building on the main street of a town that was so small already that mm. the population of bodies, you know what I mean? Proportionally, mm. it's such a monstrous crime. And then the fact that the name of the murders got given to that town, right? I mean, mm. it's really tricky. As we talked about in the first episode, some people over in Snowtown want to change the name. Some people want to put up a museum. Some people want to bulldoze the building. Everyone has a different perspective. Mm. What I'm curious about is the ethics of dark tourism as a thing. And I think the only way to actually have an informed opinion that is useful is for you and me to actually go to some of these places, walk around, talk to the locals, and see see how we feel then and see if there is a palpable air in the town of oh shit something terrible happened here i don't think we can blame the town no i'm not i'm not i'm not i know you're not i know you're not i'm just saying collectively do we you know we attach such um you know memory to location but locations are important i mean cemeteries for example where people go to memorialize yeah you know yeah but i mean if you were let's say you were the relative of one of these 
unfortunate victims and mm. god knows there are there's so many victims and people when they die affect everyone around them in really distinct horrible ways so there's clearly a large interlacing web if you'll forgive the reference to the uh to the rock spider wall from before mm. there is a large interlocking web of people who are still alive and are still affected by these murders now mm. for those people i'm sure there's probably some comfort in the fact that for them to never feel directly the horrors of what happened, they just don't go to Snowtown. Mm. There's no way you would go to the place where the bodies were stored. There's no way you would go there. You would prefer to remember the people in a place that associated, you know, you had something good associated with them, right? First of all, do you think any of these people actually went to Snowtown? Or do you think to them they would just rather never ever? Because you, you know what I mean? Mm. It's not like they would drive past the place where their loved one was murdered every single day on the way to work. Although, as we established, most of the people here were murdered outside of Snowtown. Yeah? All all bar one. All bar one, yes. Mm. So at this point, all of the victims... the, The spree is over. The bodies have been found. Can we just quickly just quickly touch on the fact that the acid didn't completely eat away the bodies. Now, that was... Mm. First of all, you're storing bodies in barrels and acid, sometimes multiple bodies per barrel, Mm. and your intention is to have it basically turn into a Breaking Bad-esque slurry. Mm. Now, as we learned in Breaking Bad, the acid that he was using to burn through the bodies and destroy them, for some reason, doesn't burn through the plastic of the barrel. Is that correct? Yeah, there are different types of acids. Right. Paul, do you know that there's an acid that can burn through glass? Did you know that? No. Yeah, burn through glass. Right. So there there are all different types of acids. My gut feeling is that they got hydrochloric acid or the trade name is muriatic acid. It's used for, you know, when bricklayers do... Uh, sort of an amazing wall or or tilers do a big floor and you get that sort of that sort of like a white um, film and it's quite difficult to remove so they they dilute hydrochloric acid and then they apply it with a brush wait and you can see it's sort of bubbling up and it goes sort of yellow and it gives off, off this very toxic gas yeah sort of a yellowy colored gas and then they hose it away and the water neutralizes it so you know, I'm, I'm no chemist, but I'm thinking already we know that a human body is made up. There's a lot of fluid water in, in the human body. And what's happening, I imagine, and some chemists out there can correct me if I'm wrong, but I have a feeling that when you mix the human body with all the fluid, and there would have been, you know, contents, of course, stomach contents, you know, internal sort of seepage, etc., um, which would lessen the effect of, it would dilute the acid. Okay. And, but the thing about why would you use hydrochloric acid? The answer is, Paul, you can buy it from any hardware store. Mm. You can go in and buy four litres of hydrochloric today. They don't say, oh, Paul, uh, like, why are you buying this? But if you go and buy some of the more specialised acids, if, if I had have been the Snowtown murderer, and this is not sort of a, a how-to you know, hint for up-and-coming murderers, who want to dispose of bodies, but I would be looking at nitric acid, something um, really, really potent that the second it touches your skin, it literally melts your face away. Okay, so now the killers are in jail. Mm, Yep. The victims are gone. Gone. And what's left behind is a town full of people. Traumatised because of the media. 
and also because of what happened there. I mean, mm. yes, of course, it's 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 very complicated, I mean, but it's. I, I mean, what do you and I need to go there in person and actually see what it's like, or do you think we would go there and find that it's just a place and there's nothing there that is actually being carried through the town every day? I believe, Paul, that that place exists in our imagination. Right. It's a real town. It's a real building. We go there. We stand there. What are we? What are we going to be? Every, everything we feel and imagine comes from our podcast, our research, the 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 national trauma associated, the film. It's just kind of, you know. Do you ever drive past? Yeah, I mean, you and Tegan, you go to the country regularly. Do you ever drive past those little crucifixes on the side of the road? Yeah, where you see that somebody has clearly had a terrible accident and died mm. and there's just yeah. a small memorial to them, yes. Yeah, yeah. and um, there was a time when they were illegal and then the, the governments, uh, I'm not sure whether it's the entire sort of collective state governments of Australia, mm. but there was a sort of a turnaround where governments thought hang on a sec it's actually not a bad idea because it might deter other motorists and when i drive past and see a, a cross and sometimes you see some flowers it's it's a it reminds me of someone's terrible loss and i try not to think about i try not to sort of go too much that's the thing when we do these podcasts ball we have to actually do some serious research yeah and i I kind of feel as though I'm getting to that point where it's it's you know I'm finding it pretty full on and the listeners know that I've done some pretty heavy things in my life in terms of what I've seen but I'm finding this pretty full on. Yeah. Um, I don't really like getting into um you know the mind of these people and and as an aside I was reading through the the transcripts and sort of really going deep and Bunting's psychological assessment, his his medical records as to his mental state, um, have never ever been released. So God knows, but I, I do know that he he did terrible things to to insects, and he you know he was a complete. What am I? Why am I saying he was? I don't know. Unless he's gone into some like you know what? Medical. I'll tell you what. Next week, let's look at something that isn't a murder, because the fact okay. is, true crime does tend to veer towards murder, but. I almost find it more interesting to look at crimes that didn't actually have a body count. I mean, who doesn't love a heist? The fact is that murder leaves an indelible impression on the place where it happened and on the victims and on the survivors and on everything around it. But there are some crimes that don't leave a body count behind. So next week, we're going to look at a case that doesn't involve the dead for once, just to provide all of you out there and us with a bit of a breather. So... We hope you've enjoyed slash endured slash listened reverently to this three-part look at the murders that took place outside of, damn it, outside of Snowtown. (sighs) Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Next week we'll be back, but obviously this week we're going to have an episode of Loose Ends in store for you. Something a little bit lighter to help take the edge off. In the meantime, stay safe everyone. Have a good week. And we'll see you soon. Cheerio.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.